We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us for the first time, we welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. The Lord bless you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And uh, it, it, it appears that we have at least solved the sound situation today to be able to hear. So again, let us say a big thank you to Brother David Weaverland, Brother Adam Breckeridge, Brother Andrew Nielsen for fighting the good fight this morning and getting us sound in spite of the craziness. So praise God. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. So glad all of you are here worshiping with us today. And I am so excited. It's one thing for me as a, as pastor to, to say what God is doing, but I'm so excited. The countless number of testimonies that continue to come back to me of what God is doing in individual lives and the growth that's taken place in the hearts of lives of people that are here at Antioch West. I'm so excited about what God is doing, not just in small groups, because that is such a beautiful thing, but also what God is doing through the anatomy of a disciple and other things that's going on. And uh, you know what? It's amazing to know that God can still work even in the summertime. God can work even in spite of the heat that's in this place today and sort of a little bit of being uncomfortable. It reminds me a little bit uh, of my trips when I was younger to Africa. You'd be out in the village somewhere when about 100 degrees on a metal roof and about 500 people packed into a place that held about a hundred. So this feels very much like familiar to me today. Praise God. But if you would, I would draw your attention to where we're going to go today for the lesson for today, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16. And it is a familiar passage of scripture for those that have attended church at any length of time because it is a monumental and very pivotal passage of scripture that we're going to be focusing on today and in some ways very controversial. This uh, passage of scripture has been used by some uh, religions as a huge point of contention and uh, that's not where we're going to go today. We're not going to get really deep into some of the hidden meanings of all of this. We're going to just read it and kind of interpret exactly what it's saying. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his, there's that word, everyone say that word with me, disciples. He didn't ask his friends, he didn't ask his followers, he didn't ask his Christians, he asked his disciples. Maybe God's not asking you anything because you're not a disciple. Just the point. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I will tell you, and I will tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For just a few moments today, I want to take this passage of Scripture, and I want to talk to you a few moments on this subject. It comes from a a punchline that when you were kids, you would use. Maybe some of you didn't use this, but when I was a kid, you would say this. We'd say this. I know you are, but what am I? You'd say that back to somebody. I know you are, but what am I? So I want to talk to you for a few moments today with this thought. I know you are, but what am I? And we find in this passage of Scripture, most of us skip down to verse number 18. And I will tell you that upon Peter on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's tremendous. But in order to get to that point, we've got to go back up to the beginning and figure out how we got there. Because when Jesus turned to Peter that day, Jesus was not having an, an identity crisis. He wasn't trying to give an assessment on his identity. He was asking a question. Because he wasn't asking for affirmation. Jesus wasn't having a a self-esteem issue. He wasn't having a a day where he needed to be pumped back up and, and patted on the back. This wasn't about a need for affirmation. He was asking Peter if he had the revelation. So when Jesus asked him the question... What really took place there that day was by Peter correctly identifying who Jesus was, Peter gained a greater access into who he was. So the assessment that Jesus asking that day wasn't really about who he was to others. It was to Peter, do you have the revelation of who I am? Because if you can see who I am, I can turn around and show you who you are. Because by seeing who Jesus was, Jesus was able to give Peter a greater glimpse of who Peter was. Because he turned to Peter and says to him in verse number uh, 17, Blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon in the Greek means snub-nosed. Which I kind of like maybe to interpret a little bit. Peter went from an identity that was based in his religion to an identity that was based in who Jesus was. Because he said, blessed are you, Simon. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I will tell you that you are Peter. Which means rock. So he went from being snub-nosed to being stable as a rock. But how he got there was because he understood and correctly identified who Jesus was. 
It was really as if Jesus was saying to Peter, now that you correctly identified who I am, I want to show you what I can do and who you are. You see, some of us, we're trying to find out who we are without first finding out who Jesus is. Oh yes, we are one of the followers. We, we gathered together like many did that day and we, saw, we went to see the show. We went to, to get the five loaves and the two fishes. We brought Jesus a need. But you see, there's a difference when you're one of the disciples. And Jesus turned and asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Because you see, until you begin to be a true disciple, you cannot truly identify who he is. When he said, you know what? Because you correctly identified who I am. I can show you who you are. You see, God wants to. God wants us to relentlessly protect who we are. Because today, if you're confused about who God says you are, you will never connect with your true identity in Jesus. Most of the time, it's easier to understand who God is than it is under than it is to understand who we are. You say, well, how do I know that? How do you know that I'm struggling with that? Because you know what? My actions are reflective of the way I think. The Bible says this in Proverbs, As a man thinketh, so shall he be. I'll give you a perfect illustration for some of us. Let's get down to the real world here. The Bible says I'm forgiven. Then why do I walk around feeling unforgiven? The Bible says I'm a child of God, washed in the blood. Then why do I walk around feeling like a failure? Why? Because there's a gap between what he says I am and what I feel that I am. And that in lies the problem. There's a gap today in the way that's being told and the way I feel. And we've said, we've said this for years. Feelings don't have to be true To be real. I made this statement several weeks ago. And I made this statement many times. My perception. Determines my reality. But my reality. Doesn't equal truth. Why is that? I'll give you a perfect illustration. I used this several weeks ago. I'm going to use it again. My perception says. That I'm not able to be loved. And therefore, the reality to me is no one loves me. But truth is, God loves me. But the problem is, if I say God loves you, my perception is I'm not loved. So when you hear someone say today, God loves you, you're like, okay, great. And when I get in my car, turn on my, turn on my ignition, and go back to my life today, I'm going back feeling, well, that's just a bunch of religious pie-in-the-sky stuff. It may, may trick others, but it's not tricking me. Why? Because my perspective. My perspective is, that's who I am. Today, my perspective is, I've made mistakes. My perspective is today, I've failed. I've done things that I wasn't supposed to do. I've, done, I've said things I wasn't supposed to say. Or whatever. You fill in the blank. 
And therefore, the perspective causes me to feel like my reality is that I'm flawed. But the truth is, any man that has been buried into Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So the problem comes down to is, I've got an issue. It's an identity crisis. The identity crisis is this. How do I see what God sees? How do I see that? Well, most of us, we try to figure out, okay, what does God think about me? Well, it doesn't start with the way God thinks about me. It starts with, what do I think about God? Because when I start with what God thinks about me, I miss the first point. The first point is, who is Jesus to you? What is Jesus to you? I'll give you a perfect one. It's not on the subject today. I'll give you a perfect one. We don't like to think of Jesus this way. But let's hear what Jesus described. John chapter 15. This was the last sort of words. Big words. These are, these are huge. It's the last sort of words Jesus speaks before all this stuff has happened. These are, these are major deals to pay attention to. And Jesus, this is what Jesus said. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do, what's that word? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he can cast a branch and wither, and they go and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall You be my followers, my Christians, my believers. What did he say? You'll be my disciple. Notice this. There's a couple major things that Jesus was trying to get that was based off perspective. First of all, he's saying, God's not your genie. Because if we read this, this how we read it. Verse number one. I'm the true vine, and my father is the genie. Oh, God, I need something for you today. Got to rub that spiritual lamp, get you to pop out. Welcome this morning. What are your three wishes? Well, God, I got to pay my bills. My husband's driving me crazy, and my child's sick. Well, that's only three wishes you get today. Come back next week for three more wishes. And that's what God is. So the problem is when we rub the lamp and Jesus doesn't pop out. See, this is no good. But he said, guess what? I'm divine and God is the gardener. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, this is the problem. In a first century mindset, they understood what that meant. 
We live in an app store society. We don't, we, most of us, there's a few green thumbs, I think, around here. We got a resident beekeeper. We got a few green thumbs. But most of us, let's be honest, we're not producing what we're eating. We're going to the store and we're getting it the easy way. When I go to the store to pick out bread, I really honestly don't think about the process it took to get that bread there. I do the squeeze trick. I'm a squeezer. Is it fresh? Ooh, that's a little tight. Ooh, that's soft. Ooh, that's even better. I'm going with that one because it's soft. I'm not thinking about how long it took for somebody that had to go out there and go through the process. I'm just looking at, see, this is what I want. This is what I want now. And there we go. Therein lies the rub because that's how we are with God. But he says, I'm not your genie. I'm your gardener. And here's the point. If you bear fruit, he's not going to give you a pat on the back. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to keep messing with your life so that you can bear more fruit. Wait a minute. If I'm a fruit bearer, leave me alone. Let me be a fruit bearer. But he said, if you're a fruit bearer, I want you to become a greater fruit bearer. And when you become a greater fruit bearer, I'm going to keep messing with your life till you become a fruit bearer on top of a fruit bearer and a better fruit bearer. Because he's a gardener. And then he goes a little further and says this. If you abide me and bind you. And there's that word again. We talked about this before. I'll say it again because it's just worth repeating. There's some things we say and we, we call them scripture, but they're not scripture. We quote things all the time that sound good, but they're not scripture. And one of the best ones we quote is, oh God, without you I am nothing. Sounds good. Slight problem. It ain't in the Bible. You say, well, you're telling me that without God, I'm something? Absolutely. Then you're telling me that, that I'm somehow special. Yes. Aren't you going a little too far? I'll give you this. If you're nothing without God, when he died and you didn't know him, he died for nothing. So if without him you're nothing, he died for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. He died for you because you're special. But he goes a little farther and that's where he says, look, if you do these things, then you're going to bear much fruit because you're going to realize the reason why you can do this is because without me you can do nothing. And then here we go, ready? This is the magic one. We skip and we get down to number seven halfway through. Ask anything you desire, and it shall be done for you. What? Well, that's awesome. I love that. Okay, today, ask anything you want from God. He's going to give it to you. Fire away. Name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. You can't lose with the stuff I use. But he says, no, here's the key. If you abide in me and my words abide in you it is rough. 
I can't take my jacket off today because I got this stripe on. And it, when you put the stripe on camera, it creates like this sort of hypnotic illusion. And so I don't want someone like, you're getting sleepy. When the bell rings, you'll speak in tongues. Ring. So that's why I have this one. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, this is Jesus. He's, 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 he's a little tricky. Then you'll ask what you will and it will be done. But if you're asking, whose words are you using? See, he's tricky. He tells you, ask anything you want, it'll be done. But he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then. So that means when I'm asking, I'm asking his, through his words, not my own words. See, when I get this picture of who he is, in return, if I say that he is a gardener, then in return, it makes me a fruit bearer. When God is a genie, it makes me into a lottery winner. But when he's a gardener, it makes me a fruit bearer. How I see God determines how I live. How I visualize him and see him. And how do we know that? Because that's what his word says. Notice this. I heard one preacher say this way. He said this, Jesus did not die so that I could make a correct, correct assessment of who he was. He died so that I can make a correct assessment of who I am in him. He didn't die so I could see him. He died so that through him I could see myself. Because this is what happens, ready? Let's go to Exodus. I'm not going to be much longer, I promise. I don't mean that to be funny. Exodus 24, verse 15. This is what the Bible says. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud, everybody say cloud. A cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on the mount, and the cloud covered it for six days, and on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain, and in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. That's verse 24. Chapter 24. Chapter 25, chapter 26, chapter 27, chapter 28, chapter 29, chapter 30, and chapter 31. God begins to reveal to Moses. Once Moses got in the cloud and began to see who God was, God then turned around and for the next seven chapters began to reveal to Moses who he and the people of God were and what they were to do. But it didn't happen until he got in the cloud. It didn't happen until he stepped into the cloud and was surrounded by the presence of God. Today we are in this place and we don't have a physical cloud anymore that we're surrounded. But we've got something better. We've got his spirit in us. So instead of stepping into his presence, he's got his presence in us. We have access 
into the realm where we can see God in a way others can't see Him. And in return, He can show us who we are. Today, if you've got an Apple device, you have access to what is called the cloud. Cloud is a wonderful thing. Because a cloud, I, I think I, I pay, I think I get like a, some crazy amount of storage. I forgot, a terabyte or whatever it is on the cloud. We got pictures on the cloud. And nowadays, because you have the cloud, you take pictures of stuff. You would never even, you just take pictures to take pictures. Because just put on the cloud. But here's the problem. You have all this stuff available to you. It's yours. It belongs to you. But you can't access it unless you have the right device connected to the right network. You can have all the storage and all the files and all the space you want. But you don't have access to those things without the right device. I can have all my stuff. I've got, I've got, I can't even remember now. Between my wife and I, I we have something over like 25,000 pictures and videos. We've had Apple now since 2008. And so that's 10 years of pictures and videos through the, through the life of three little kids where every time they do something, oh, they blinked, picture. Ooh, they smiled, picture. And it's all on the cloud. But you know what, today, if I decided to switch to an Android device, I could still have all that stuff there. It's not going anywhere, but I don't have access because I have the wrong device. We've got all this stuff available to us. We've got all of this stuff, brother, you, that God's given to us that is ours. It belongs to us. It's our stuff. It's not some pie in the sky. It's not some religious mumbo jumbo. It belongs to me. God's given to me. I'm a child of Him. It belongs to me. But if I don't have the connection that I need, I can't get access to that. I've got the right device today. I've got an iPad. But here's what happens. Thankfully, it's working right now, but not all the time because I don't have cellular connection with my iPad. It's just a Wi-Fi. So right now, we have Wi-Fi. But if I go out in the parking lot, I will have the right device that has the ability to connect to what I need. But when I lose the connection, when I get out of this room and I get into my car, it doesn't matter how good the device is and it doesn't matter what's on the cloud because I lose the connection. All that's available to me is gone even though it's still mine and it's available and I can't get it until I step back in this room where there's a connection for my device to hook up in. But... If you've got another phone, you can turn on what's called a hotspot. Which means if this phone has cellular connection, I can turn on this phone's ability to connect with this device. And even though this device doesn't have connection because it's connected to something that's connected, I have access to anything and everything I need. So if I'm not getting what I need, I've got files in here. It's wonderful. I have preaching notes on here all the way back from when I began to preach. 
22 years ago now. I look back at some of the stuff in the very beginning. How in the world did any of that make any sense? But it's on there. I got it. But you know what? Some of that stuff is not on this device. It's on the cloud. Or I got Dropbox, which is another cloud service. And even though it's there and it's mine, I don't have access to it. And so if I'm in here today and I try to pull up a note, I want to preach something I preached in 2002. Problem is, if it's not connected and I don't get it, I don't say, you know what? This device is a piece of junk. Here, you take it. I don't want it anymore. He's probably like, thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. It's not the device that's broke. I don't throw away the device. And I don't throw away the stuff on the cloud. I understand. The problem is, I've lost the connection. I've got to get the connection. Because it's the connection that determines the information that I have access to. The information doesn't change. But depending on my access, it changes. So when Moses stepped in the cloud, Moses stepped in the realm of connection with God. That God gave him access to stuff in the cloud. He couldn't get out of the cloud. You see, that's the problem. Some of us, we get the Wi-Fi connection in here because... God's moving. But when we get in our car, we take the device with us, but we lose the connection. And so when we come here, we talk about who we are and we believe it. But why does it transfer to when we leave out of this place? The reason why it doesn't transfer is we lose the connection. When you lose the connection, the only thing, here's the beauty part about it. Ready? Who thought Apple could be so spiritual? Here's the the great thing about it. If I lose the connection, I'm then bound to whatever I've downloaded on this device. If it's not on here, I don't have access to it. So you know what I do now before I leave my house every Sunday morning? I did it this morning. I get get onto my uh, iPad. When I get up, get dressed... Getting ready to leave the house, I always do this. I get on my iPad and I make sure my notes are downloaded because I do all my notes on my computer. I make sure they're downloaded on my iPad because I know if I get there and there's no Wi-Fi, I've got no notes. But when I download them, I can take them wherever I want to go. But the problem is, if they're not on there, they're not there. So here's the problem, right? I'm getting here, I'm almost done. We come, to, we come to gathering and we're downloaded with stuff. But when we leave, we're only gone with the stuff that was downloaded because we don't have a connection. But God said, I have access to all of this stuff. That when you leave here, the only thing I want you to do is stay connected. Stay plugged in. Make sure you're connected. Because as long as you're connected, the information is unlimited. And you know what? As long as you're connected, it doesn't matter the size of the device. Because the device doesn't determine the information. Because the information is on the cloud as long as I have a connection point. 
So that doesn't matter if you've been here for five minutes or been here for 50 years. We all have access to the same thing. The question is, are you connected? And here's the beauty about what God's doing. And I close with this. Here's the beauty about what God's doing. And what I love about what God's doing at Antioch West, and I mean that sincerely. And again, my disclaimer is, for those of you that are watching, this is not a reflection on where you're at or what you're going through, how you're doing. This is simply to refer to those that are in this place. So therefore, if you feel differently, we love you, we appreciate you, and it's no way for us to offend you. Now back to where we were. I have to say these things now. God help us. But here's the beauty part about it, right? Here's the old way of doing it. Here's the old school way, right? I'm not saying this is bad, but this is the way we used to, this, this is the way we do it, right? I need to be connected. And I walk out, and when I stop for those doors, I disconnect. And therefore, you know what starts to happen? I feel like the only place I connect can connect is in here. And so, say something, preacher, that's going to get me to that point. And you're sad? I don't mean this to be negative. I see chronic altar people. Because that's the only time they can connect. And they come in. It's like repeat. It's every time. Woo. Oh, every time. But when they leave out of there. But you know the beauty about what God's trying to do with us? He's trying to challenge us. Not that that's wrong and we shouldn't do that. But the point is, it's not about what happens in here. It's what you do when you leave those doors. So you know what the beauty part about that is? Guess what? In a few hours, we're going to go to some living rooms. And an office place. And we're going to go into other places where we don't have music. And we don't have a keyboard. And we don't have a pulpit. But you know what? We're going to connect. We're going to connect. And we're going to learn how to connect not in here. And there's nothing wrong with connecting in here. But it's not about what's connecting here. It's about what you're going to do when you leave here. Are you going to stay connected? connecting because if i can get connected to the cloud i can see who he is and when i see who he is he can show me who i am i'm watching some of you for that have been around for a long a a while i'm watching the light bulb moments flashing you you're beginning to see yourself like you haven't seen before is because somehow you've got the secret sauce no because you're beginning to see him like you've never seen him before and when your viewpoint of him changes he will change how you see yourself would you stand this morning Thank you for your patience today. Enduring, I appreciate, I sincerely believe that. I, I know today has not been comfortable. But can I challenge you with this last thought before we close? Can I challenge you? When you leave this place, will you stay connected? If you you leave this place today, will you stay connected? Don't turn off your Wi-Fi. Don't go to airplane mode when you leave out of here. Don't let your 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 device just to be a dead, stale thing. But keep the connection, because if you can, you'll experience God in a greater dimension 
beyond these doors than you ever experienced him in these doors. Amen. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Father, we thank you today. We love you. God, the word that's been spoken in here today, let it not just be words of a man, but let it be words from you. As we take these and go to our small group today and we digest them and we challenge one another, we talk to one another, we share with one another, let these words be a challenge to us that we would draw closer to you. As we connect with one another, let us connect with you. Let it be done, Father, that we can grow in you. We can see who you are so that you can show us who we are. I speak all these things. I proclaim all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God.